Welcome to Kingdom Talk 2.0 Radio Hour with Dennis McCord, founder of God Hope Ministry and Pastor Charlie Avila from Clovis Christian Center. Kingdom Talk is where Christ is King and we are subjects and citizens of the Kingdom of God. Oh yes we are, Kingdom Talk 2.0. That's every Saturday from 1 to 2 right here on 1550 KXCX, the best talk in town. We're a voice in the wilderness. We're pressing on by the Spirit of the Lord in the strength of His power to glorify his name and to talk all things kingdom. Uh, as usual, we have our co-host here. That's Pastor Charlie Oblis. So good to be with you, Pastor. Thank you very much again for having me. It's always a joy to talk about the word of God. Amen. It, it is. And we're going to be looking today uh, at the parables, you know, in, in the timing uh, of the catching away of the church. Um, it's called the rapture. Uh, uh, that comes from the Latin word, you know all this, but for our listeners' sake, you know, rapturo uh, in the Latin Vulgate, uh, which was really uh, virtually the only Bible that was being used for hundreds of years in Europe, um, Jerome's Latin Vulgate. and uh, But the word in the Greek, in the original, which the New Testament was written in Greek, um, is harpazo, and it does mean to catch away. So there's this... Cut away. Yeah, mm-hmm. there's this catching away of the church. Now... Now, we want to emphasize the fact that uh, the Lord's heart is about unity. It's about uh, honoring one another, to esteem our brother uh, as worthy of more honor than ourselves, uh, as better than ourselves, one translation says. But, um, and to recognize the radical unity that we have in Christ. So we're not going to let uh, end time teaching keep us from honoring and loving our brothers and sisters and facilitating tremendous unity uh, in the community here in Central Valley and beyond. And so... um, uh, in essentials, unity and non-essentials, diversity and all things charity. So we want to make sure that that's understood. And we do approach these things with humility. We must. Uh, and there are big picture things that we can be pretty confident about yeah. uh, regarding like the timing of the rapture. I do think that's one of the one of the things that we can be confident uh, on. Uh, and it's interesting that the the, the, the rapture, the, the concept uh, of the rapture, I mean, it, it, it's, it's, it is a a foreign concept to our human experience. Someone who hasn't read the Bible would, wouldn't be thinking about a group of people being caught up, you know, in the air to mm-hmm. meet this uh, divine human, you know, uh, yeah. and, uh, and, and, and in the clouds, right? But we do know in history, Elijah uh, uh, was caught up. In, in, well, we have Enoch. Enoch, Enoch, walked, with, Enoch walked with God and was not. So, yeah. so we have Elijah being uh, caught up yeah. uh, there uh, with the, the chariots there. In a whirlwind, right? That's an amazing. So you think about the rapture. She got that, and then even Moses was buried. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, and so, um, for some strange reason, I think about the axe head that swam <laughs> because it was elevated. Yeah, you know. And so, I mean, but there are these these um, uh, catching away this this lifting up, mm-hmm. uh, and of course, our Lord's ascension. Uh, yeah, on the Mount X of All, uh, mm-hmm. he he, you know, he shall come in like manner as you saw him go, right? He was caught up into a cloud. Yeah, right? that was supernatural. Supernatural. So this isn't a completely foreign concept to history. It's not a foreign concept to the scriptures, uh, and to to be mindful of that we need to be immersed in God's word so that we're uh, aware of what's coming. And what a blessed hope! Looking for that blessed hope in the glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. I mean, this is what we're looking for in the midst of the birth pangs, Pastor Charlie. Yeah. We've been talking about the birth pangs, and we need to. Yeah. But we got to emphasize what's being birthed. Yeah. It's none other than the second coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Right. 
Yeah, the earth is pregnant, you know, Isaiah 26, and so it's got to give birth, right? The whole creation <laughs> and is all the, all the And all the graves are going to be open. That's where the birth, that's where we're going to be born out of that for all the people that are in the grave. Uh, but yeah, it's powerful that when we look at 1 Corinthians chapter 15, it speaks about that there's no way that this flesh and blood can enter the kingdom of God except to go through a transformation, through a change. The This mortal cannot... Uh, inherit the kingdom of God. We have to have this immortal body. So God uses this whole rapture teaching. This is how it's going to be done. This is God's way that we got to get a new body, a new glorified body, which is something that I want to talk about in our next teaching. Uh, what is the purpose of the rapture and is to get the glorified body. It's not to escape anything. It's to get the new glorified body. No, that's going to be very important to, to look at that. And we do see in Romans 8, the whole creation groans yes. and travails together in pain, waiting for the manifestation of the sons and daughters of God. Mm-hmm. So so we're joining in with, with this war in Gaza mm-hmm. and in Israel, you know, yeah. and, and, and the, 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 the thousands that are being killed and, and, and the bloodshed and, and what happened on October 7th in southern Israel, which is just heinous, uh, disgustingly evil, demonic, yeah. murderous rape and pillage, which... Uh, is not a moral equivalency to the bombing in Gaza. No, it's not the same. Now there there is an overreaction there. Maybe there there's an enough. There is consideration of civilians, but I don't think there's enough. Yeah, that's my opinion. But Israel Israel has to address this, and yeah. so um, so First Corinthians, you know, fifteen there. But but Romans eight mm-hmm. uh, again is that we're groaning. We're 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 waiting. We're the world's waiting on us mm-hmm. to 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 overcome and to grow up into the fullness of the measure of the stature of Christ. They're waiting on Christ. Mm-hmm. These birth pangs. Uh, and so we want to be focusing on that. And that's the beautiful thing about the rapture. It is a b- blessed hope. Mm-hmm. And Titus, you know, looking for that blessed hope. Yeah. You know, one of the things that always gets me when Paul's talking there in Romans 8 about the whole creation, he's, and he's so strong in the Greek text. He says, we know, we know that the whole creation is groaning and is in the labors of birth pangs together until now. <laughs> and every time I teach him that, I ask people, do you guys know that the whole creation is groaning? And I mean, do we know, Paul says, we know that we know that this is what's happening. And it's like most, most of us, we don't pay attention to that. The whole creation is literally groaning awaiting the revelation of the sons of God. And so it's a very interesting concept that Paul said, we know this, everybody should know this, that this is happening, wow. you know, but anyway, yeah, it's, no, it's uh, we're, we're, we're waiting for this adoption, the redemption of our bodies. We know this, Paul said. Oh, and, and that's the thing, the adoption, and that leads into next week's program with regards yeah. to our new glorified bodies, you yeah. know, if our earthly house of this tabernacle were dissolved, we have a, a building of God, uh, not made with hands eternal in the heavens. Right. Yes. And amen. so that's a, that's part of that blessed hope. It, it, it's, it's, it's our, it's our, that, you know, the blessed hope and the glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, that, that's part of it. But the other part of it is, is a new eternal body. And, yeah. and and the thing is, Pastor, is that, you know, there has to be something beyond this life. When you think of Anne Frank, when you think of, of, of lives that have been cut short, we think of what's yeah. going on in God's, you think of these young people, there's got to be more than this. Yeah. Our, 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 our psyche, our souls, our spirits, our minds know this yeah it's, it's it's kind of a um an axiomatic yeah. truth that, that you, we just know that there's got to be more 
Isn't there something in Ecclesiastes that talks about God has placed eternity yes. in the heart of yes. man? Like, like yeah. there's something in us that wants to live forever. You know, yeah. We don't want to die. We no. don't want to. We want to keep going. And we know you it's know? not right yeah. when when a, when a child dies or even yeah. an old person dies. It, 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 it's not right. There's there's something amiss. Something's broken. Yeah. Um. Something's gone ren- wrong in Denmark. You know. Yeah. Uh, you know. There's there's and so we. We just know that intrinsically. And then we have God's word to look to for hope yeah. and for direction and clarification. His eye has not seen, ear has not heard what God has in store for those who love him. But God has revealed them unto us by his spirit. Yeah. For the spirit searches all things, yea, the deep things of God. Yeah. Hallelujah. It is a blessed hope. You know, that's yeah. what Titus talked about. Yeah. Blessed hope. It's a hope that we're, that's what we're all waiting for, you know, so Amen. It's, it's powerful. And I, uh, I'm finishing up here. I'm in Revelation 22 now this Sunday. I'm going to finish it up next week. Also in Revelation 22. And you know, he closes out in Revelation 22. He just keeps saying, come Lord Jesus. I'm going to come quickly. I'm going to come quickly. I'm going to come quickly. Come Lord Jesus. The spirit and the bride say, come. It just, that's the conclusion of Revelation is saying Jesus has to come before any of these other things can really take place for this eternal state. Jesus has to come. That is the coming event that we're Maranatha. all waiting for. I mean, all these other things can take, to, can take place, but that event is the central event that we're waiting for. And so a uh, revelation closes out so strong with it, uh, uh, requesting that Jesus come, you know, the kingdom come, you know, that's what we're waiting for. Mm. That's our hope. And it's a very strong, hope yes it so, is yes it yeah. is and that's what we're looking at here on kingdom talk 2.0 every saturday from 1 to 2 right here on 1550 kxex the best talk in town and so you know the thing is is that um if you only had five minutes to uh, explain uh that the secret rapture teaching is wrong. What, where would you go in scripture, Pastor yeah, Charlie? Yeah, so I call it the 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 torpedo doctrine. You know, this <laughs> one is the one that's going to sink the ship really fast. You know, and and I have I've actually had people walk up to me even recently. Some people in our church walked up to me that are new in our church and they don't know what we're teaching about the end times. And and right away I take them to the the parable of the wheat and tares of the wheat and weeds. And I I think if I only had five minutes to say how this teaching is wrong. I say, just go there and that's where you can tell. And that parable reveals that Christians are going to remain on the earth until the end of the age. It just, we're not taking out seven years in advance. There's nothing uh, where we're leaving early. Uh, and so it's a very simple teaching, right? It's not very complicated. You know, the servants go to an owner and says she would, re- they saw weeds that were there in the field, right? And among the wheat, they asked the owner, should we remove the weeds? And, um, he said no, and he gave two reasons why we shouldn't remove them. One, he says, if you pull up the weeds, you're also going to uproot the uh, wheat as well. So it's going to damage the wheat. So you can't do it. You got to wait until the end. And so the other thing he said that we got to let both of them grow up together until the harvest. And mm-hmm. the harvest was the end of the age. And so these reapers come, the reapers, are always the angels. And that's why in Matthew 24, when the trumpet is blown, the angels come, they're the reapers. They're the ones that gather the the saints. And so they're the, the weeds are gathered into bundles and burned in the fire and the wheat is gathered in the owner's barn. So it's a very simple teaching, but it's one that shows clearly that we are here together until the end of the age with the wicked. So, yeah, that's incontrovertible. I mean, when you look at that and you see that, uh, there isn't this, uh, you know, this, this harvest that's separate, mm-hmm. uh, between the wheat and the tares. Um, there isn't this gap 
Um, they, he specifically says that uh, to leave them alone until uh, the end of the age. And so that's, that's an important understanding. So again, for our listeners is that we're talking about the, uh, the harvest there being a picture of the second coming of our Lord and the uh, catching away of the, of the righteous, the church there mm-hmm. and the destruction of the wicked. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they're both there at the same time. There isn't some big gap between those two harvests there. It's, it's a singular harvest. It isn't two harvests. It's yeah. one harvest. It's one coming. It's one time there at the same time that the church is caught up, that the, uh, the, the, uh, the wicked are, are judged. Yeah. You remember when Jesus shared that parable, the apostles didn't understand it, right? They needed further clarification of what he was, what the symbols meant, you know, what's the wheat, what's the weeds, what's the harvest, what's all that, what, who are the reapers? You know, they didn't, they didn't understand that. Jesus, of course, gives them the supernatural revelation to understand it. And, um, he tells us simply again, the wheat, the sons of the kingdom, the weeds are the sons of the wicked one. Uh, the one who sowed the, the, the weeds is the devil. The reapers are the angels. And very, very importantly, the harvest when things get gathered, things get separated. He says, Jesus said, it's the end of the age. It's at the end. And so the, the wheat, the Christians and the weeds the non-Christians have to stay together until the end of the age. The weeds in fact, get pulled up first. And so Christians are not taken out seven years in advance uh, or anything like that. We have to wait until the end. And then there's a parable right after that one too, that again confirms what he just said, right? In verses uh, Matthew 13, verses 47 to 50. And that's the parable that is commonly known, the parable of the dragnet or the net, where the fisherman catches all kinds of fish, both good and bad. And then they are separated, right? So they gathered in. And once again, it uses that same language in Matthew 13, verses 49 through 50. So it will be at the end of the age, the angels will go forth, separate the wicked from among the just and cast them into the furnace of fire. There will be wailing and gnashing of teeth. So again, we have the wheat and the weeds and we have the good fish and the bad fish and the same, uh, uh, phrase is used in both sections. It's at the end of the age that that separation is taking place. And so it's a very, again, confirming what was already said before. So, yes. Yes. Uh, these are eschatological, uh, parables, end time parables. Well, and it, it covers the church age, you know, the kingdom of God is like, this is why it's so important to understand what the kingdom of God, because we have these parable after parable after parable. The kingdom of God is like yeah. a man who sowed, you know, seed, and some fell on stony ground and, 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 and on, on wayside soil and stony ground and thorny ground and good ground. Yeah. He says the kingdom of God is like mm-hmm. a man who sowed uh, uh, seed into his uh, field and there was tares and, and there was wheat. And, and the kingdom of God is like a mustard seed. The kingdom of God is like... Yeah. Um, uh, uh, ten um, virgins. <laughs> ten virgins. The kingdom of God is like... Kingdom of God. Yeah. This is talking about... The ecclesia, the the called out assembly, the the church. Mm-hmm. So so these parables are are kingdom parables. They're not describing. Uh, what's interesting is this does get into the millennium, the beginning of the millennium. It's eschatological. Yeah. Um. So it's a kingdom now and a kingdom not yet dynamic. But when you look at the parables, it's talking about this age of grace, the age of the church, Amen. largely. Mm-hmm. But it does get into that when you have the parable of the minas or the pounds. In Luke, it's interesting. It does get into the millennium there, yeah. Because who who um, uh, uh, is faithful and little is ruler over much. If you 
the one who was given was it one one mina mm-hmm. uh, rule over rule over five cities and, and then then ten cities. Mm-hmm. So that's talking about the millennial reign there. Mm. So when you look at these kingdom parables, um, to see the kingdom now and the kingdom not yet, because there really are kingdom parables. He's mm-hmm. teaching about the kingdom of God, yeah. and the kingdom now is is the Holy Spirit within us, is Christ in us, the hope of glory. It is the church. It's, yeah. it's wherever the king and the subjects are mm-hmm. is the kingdom. In Revelation 1, he says he's made unto us a kingdom, a, a kingdom of priests. He's made us a kingdom. Amen. So the people of God is the kingdom of God yeah. because the king is reigning over the subjects of the kingdom. Yes, And just say this, and I say it a lot, and I'm going to keep saying it a lot. The kingdom of God is a subcultural counter cultural society mm-hmm. that yeah. turns the world upside down. Yeah. Jesus said, my kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom was of this world, my servants would fight. Yeah. And so we have to recognize that, that it's a separate entity in the, in, in the world. And it is the, the last hope, the only hope there's no plan B. Yeah. It's the church of Jesus Christ. We need to be assimilated into, into the church of Jesus uh, and, and, and participate in that. Yeah. And here in Matthew 13, uh, the Lord uses that phrase, the end of the age, three times. Three times he, he explained it. He explained it um, in verses 13, uh, Matthew 13, verses 40 through 41. He explained in, in verses 38 through 39. He also explained it in the parable of the dragnet. Later on, he uses the end of the age, the end of the age, the end of the age. And so many of the parables, right, are are parables about the end times. You know, that it's, it's a lot of the parables that Jesus gave have to deal with the end times. So the the one who sows the good seed is the son of man, that's Jesus. The one who sows the weeds is the devil, the enemy. The field is the world, right? So it's all through the world that this is being sown. The good seeds are the sons of the kingdom. The weeds are the sons of the wicked one. The harvesters are the angels. Uh, but the harvest is the end of the age. And that's what Jesus uses that phrase three times. And um, go ahead. So again, those three times is the parable of the wheat and the tares. Uh, at the at the end twice of the he uses that there twice there okay yeah, and then twice. the third time is with the the, the dragnet the, the dragnet yeah okay. yeah so very he good uses three times so um so he says as the weeds versus uh, Matthew thirteen forty through forty one as the weeds are pulled up and burned in the fire so it will be at the end of the age son of man will send out his angels and they will weed out of his kingdom everything that causes sin and all who do evil so you, you know if you add in if you add in that Lucan parable there about the minas or the pounds. That's a, that's a fourth time, or you could say three parables. There are three parables that deal with eschatology mm. uh, off the top of my head. Now, I, w- I would love to go back and study that some more. There may be more, uh, but those three parables, uh, I mean, you know, if you, if you, if you think about that, uh, there, well, Matthew 25, Matthew 20, Matthew 24, the 25, there's a whole bunch of parables in there, the right? With the, the virgins Certainly. and then all the, the king Absolute, and all that and the parable of the pounds Perfect. of the, of the, of the talents. Right. And then also the, when the, the son king of God, is when the stands of, at the end with he separates the sheep, the sheep from, the from the goats. That's eschatological. Yeah, so that's so, another one. No, let's just think about a that. whole so, bunch of parables. So, no, yeah. well, just off, off top of our head, we've got the. The parable of the wheat and the tares is eschatological. The parable of the dragnet is eschatological, right? Mm-hmm. The parable of 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 the uh, minas or the pounds yeah. in Luke, yeah. and in Matthew twenty five, you've got the the parable. This is the fourth parable would be uh, the 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 five wise and the five foolish, yeah. right? 
Uh, and then you have uh, the coming of the Son of Man mm-hmm. there, and all his glory shall separate the sheep from the goats, right? Yeah. So that's there's five right there that we go off top of our head yeah. that are eschatological. They're dealing with end times. Yeah. That's amazing to think about. Now, it also deals with the church age leading up to that. Right. But it leads up to the judgment, right? Yeah. Uh, and really the ushering in of the kingdom, because, I mean, certainly Matthew 25, the parable of the sheep and the goats, yeah. you have those who are being allowed into the kingdom and those who are not, yeah. right? So, and then of course the, the parable of the minas or the pounds there in Luke, mm-hmm. uh, they're ruling over cities. So it's going up to the end and on into the millennium. Yeah. And then of course the, the, um, uh, the five wise and the five foolish leads up to the wedding feast, yeah. uh, which is interesting on that note, this is why we're doing this. Okay. Cause yeah. this, 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 this I have is another helpful. thing I want to talk about a separation too. Go ahead. Separation. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> But, but on that note, though, in the, in the parable there uh, of, of, of the five wise and the five foolish, they go to meet the bridegroom, yeah. and it's the exact same word in the Greek that is used in Acts 28 when Paul goes to, uh, they, 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 they come to meet Paul mm-hmm. from Rome. They go to meet him at the three taverns. They probably had a beer. I don't know. But they went <laughs> to that place called the three taverns, yeah. and uh, they met Paul. And it was a term that was used for meeting someone of a dignitary mm-hmm. that would come and they would meet and then they would escort them back into the place they came out of, into the city. Okay. And so that's the exact same word that's used in Matthew 25 regarding the five wise and the five foolish. They went out to meet the bridegroom. So that's what happens in the rapture mm-hmm. is that we're caught up together. And that's the same word that's used. They're caught up together to meet the Lord in the air. Yeah. And then it's, and so then they, we escort Christ back. We don't go to heaven for seven years. Yeah. There's not a pre-trib rapture. Right. Where we meet him in the air. There's a judgment that's carried out. Yeah. Uh, the conflagration and, and, and the battle of Armageddon and, and all that goes on there and destruction of the wicked and the establishment. And then, then, then Christ comes and yeah. establishes his kingdom with us. We mm-hmm. escort him back to earth. So, so that's another aspect of the eschatological import of the parables yeah. and specifically the parable of the five wise and the five foolish, and then just going back, the 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 the, the last two there is is the the wheat and the tares going going backwards, you know, in, in the scriptures there to Matthew thirteen, yeah, uh, and and we see there that there it leads all the way up to the judgment where there's the separating of the wheat and the tares, the the, the tares are bundled and burned, the wheat is 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 gathered into barns, which is a picture of the gathering of the church, gathering episunagage, the gathering together, yes, there, and then Matthew. 13, the beginning of the chapter uh, of, uh, I'm sorry, the wheat, the, the wheat and the tares there. I'm sorry. That was, that was it there. So, yeah. so yeah, on that, we mm-hmm. see dragnet. That was the other one. The dragnet, yeah, the, end. Mm-hmm. the dragnet is another one that talks about the end, uh, the good fish are separated. So it leads all the way up to the end. So they are end time parables. They are eschatological parables. Yeah. So uh, it's interesting how emphasized it is the separation, right? So there's a separation between the wheat and, and the tares, there's a separation between the good fish and the bad fish. There's a separation between the wise uh, virgins and the foolish virgins. There's a separation between the sheep and the goats. And then there's another parable where he separates the good servant from the bad servant, the one that gets drunk, thinking that his master is not going to come back anytime soon. There you soon. go, Matthew 24. And he beats up his, his fellow servants. So there is a separation the coming. I was talking to somebody the other day whose brother is a universalist. He says, everybody's good. Everybody, all paths yeah. lead to God, and everybody's going to go saved. in. Hamas, uh, everybody's unrepentant going in. Yeah, 
Uh, even the devil, you know, Hitler, 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 everybody's getting in. And so I say, no, there is a separation coming. And that's one of the central teachings that's oh coming out. That's coming out of these eschatological parables is the separation no that's question. coming. There is a judgment coming, you know, and so we, we, there is a separation. That's God is so separating. Important, that's Charlie. such a key for all of and, these well, And the thing is this, in all of the parables there in Matthew 13, I've noticed that. Yeah. There's the separation there. You've got the good soil and the bad soil. You mentioned the, the tares and the wheat. And yeah. the good, but you also have the mustard seed and the fowls of the air. Yeah. You have the whole loaf and the leaven in that in that parable. Yeah. You got the, the, the treasure <laughs> so and the field. Yeah. You had to buy the whole field. It's just amazing. All those parables, you have the pearl of great price and all that he has yeah. to buy. So there is this this separation and this 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 dichotomy, yeah. really, in all of the parables, uh, to to for a contrast. And as we go into Revelation here in just a minute, you know, you're going to see the two harvests in Revelation 14. Right. You know, there's a there's a there's a harvest of that's gathered into the barn, and there's a harvest of the grapes that are thrown into the into the wine press of God's wrath. And then you go again into Revelation 19. You have the two different suppers. One is the marriage supper of the Lamb. The other is the great supper of God's judgment on the wicked. Over and over again, you see there's a separation. There's a separation. There's a separation. Not everybody's going in. You know, Rob Bell is still wrong. You know, he wrote that book, Love Wins, and everybody's going to make it in. No, it's not. It's not. There's a separation. And so we have to keep ourselves uh, separated, and uh, we need to be holy before God. We're going to see him. And that, that's really, you know, just God's discernment in, in, uh, in separating. And in the Old Testament, the, the Levites were called to separate the holy from the unclean. Mm-hmm. And that's it's a beautiful picture that we, we have to have discernment. We have to discriminate. Yeah. We have to discriminate between what's good and evil. Um, and uh, it, says, uh, it says those who are, 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 are to, to those who are mature, who are able to discern between good and evil, you know, that, that that's, that's part of just God's wisdom. Yeah. Yeah. So, <clears throat> you know, some people teach that, um, some people teach that, uh, the sons of the kingdom, that's the Jews because, you know, Darby said the whole book of Matthew, it was all for the Jews because it was about the kingdom. The kingdom was strictly reserved for Israel and national, national Israel and the Jews. And, but it's interesting, Darby Schofield, Kelly, who was Darby's biographer, all of those agree that the sons of the kingdom here is the church. <laughs> so it's interesting that Darby, yeah. the one who formulated the and the original author of this secret rapture teaching, is the one who says that the wheat is the church, goes into the barn, the tares are the the wicked. Schofield said the same thing. It's it's Christianity. It's you know I, I have a lot of quotes here from all these guys. Uh, Kelly, William Kelly, who was Darby's biographer, he wrote a commentary on Matthew. He also agreed that it's Christianity. It's talking about the Christians. It's talking about the believers in Jesus Christ. So right there, right in front of them was this uh, teaching that shows that the wicked and uh, the believers stay together all the way to the end of the age. You know, talking about that dichotomy between the the righteous and the wicked, uh, it's interesting here that um, in Malachi chapter 3, um, so, so when Jesus comes back to separate the sheep from the goats with all his holy angels with him, I believe that's also those holy messengers is what that's saying in the Greek, yeah. right? Uh, we translate it angels, right? Mm-hmm. Um, that includes the, the church, I believe, coming yeah. back with him there when he separates those. And what's interesting here in Malachi 3, uh, 16 uh, and, and 17, he says, uh, 
And they fear they that fear the Lord spoke often one to another, and the Lord hearkened and, and heard it, and a book of remembrance was opened before him for them that feared the Lord and thought upon his name. And in Malachi three seventeen he says, And they shall be mine, says the Lord, in the day when I make up my jewels, and I will spare them as a man spares his own son that serves him. And in verse eighteen, then shall they return and discern between the righteous and the wicked. Yes. Between him that serves God and him that serves not. Right. So it's interesting that the saints uh, apparently are involved. Well, Paul said, know you not that we shall judge angels? Yeah. Right. Why do you set those who are least esteemed as judges in the church? Right. Yes. Uh, uh, secular, you know, uh, judges. So, so, um, so we are, we are called to, to rule and reign. We're going to be sitting on, on, on thrones, you know, judgment, judgment was given to the saints. It says in Daniel seven, right. Mm-hmm. Uh, at the very end. Right. Yeah. And then Revelation 20, verse four, um, I saw those who were beheaded for the witness for the, te- for the word of God, for the testimony, which they held. And they, they were given thrones and they sat upon them. Uh, and, and judgment was given unto them. It says judgment was given. To right. Them. Yes. And so, so we're, we're, we're going to, the saints, the overcomers are going to be a participant in that. So we, we better be discerning now. Yeah. My goodness. You know, if we can't discern between Hamas and 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 what's going on with the, Israel's response, I'm not saying that everything Israel's doing is right. Yeah, but we better have some discernment. Yeah, uh, between good and evil now and then. You know, uh, the writer of Hebrews says, uh, uh, "Strong meat belongs to those who are of full age; those who, by reason of use, have their senses exercised, trained, trained to discern between good." and evil. Yes. Uh, Paul says, prove all things, hold fast to that, which is good. Mm-hmm. So we must be discerning and discriminating. Yeah. yeah. Now, not discriminating in the way the left uses that. Yeah. You know, if, if some, if I'm hiring somebody and the guy shows up late, yeah. Unshaved with no shower. Yeah. You know, uh, I'm going to dis- I'm going to discriminate between the person who comes up late and the guys who shows up with this looking clean and, yeah. and, and ready to go. Yeah. You know, so there's there's this certain amount of discrimination that we should have, but we need to right. be discerning between what's right and what's wrong. I mean, today you can't pass judgment on anything. <laughs> it's like it's any like judgment at all. Yeah. Because it's because it's a human centered yeah. gospel. Yeah. It's humanism. Right. It, it, it that's the thing. And, and the Pope, we talked about this in the last program. He just okay. came out with a statement about changing a shift in theology. Yeah. And it's really a man centered. I've studied his teaching. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm not judging his his particular Pope's salvation. Many of the Pope's have been really bad. Yeah. I'm not judging himself. I'm just saying what he's teaching though, is he's teaching a humanistic yeah. uh, centered gospel. And, and that is uh, where a lot of this mix up comes where you can't even bring any light because people are in darkness. Any, any little bit of light is, you know, uh, is, 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 is discernment or, or reproof or correction Yeah, for that, which does make manifest is light. Yeah. You know, have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of dark, rather reprove them for it's a shame even. So when we bring re- reproof or correction or discernment yeah. or discriminating between good and evil, yeah. that's a, that's light. Yeah. And men love darkness rather than light because their deeds are evil. Yeah. And so that's why there's this tremendous pushback on the church and the persecution of, of, of believers is because we are going to, we are, we are the light because he's the light. Yeah. We're the light yeah. and we're going to walk as children of the light. Yeah. You know, as a pastor, uh, I have to do this a lot. It's not because I'm better than people. It's not because I'm a better Christian than them. It's not because I never fail or falter or anything like that. But the Bible tells us to correct, rebuke, to speak the word of truth and love to people. And I have to correct 
people in our church, sheep that go astray, sheep that go wrong, people that do the wrong things. I have to correct them. I have to speak into their life. And it's, it's, it's in a way proof that we love them. You know, God loves them because he corrects them. So we have to do that. And we cannot be held back. And as a pastor, I have to do that all the time. Your sheep hands are always cannot be tied. strained. You They're can't. always strained. I'm having to pull the sheep back and pull the sheep back. They're, our, we as sheep are famous for our strain. You know? Isn't it so, wonderful when, when a saint, as difficult as it is, and yeah. they receive it, and they they chafe a little bit, and then they yeah. realize, you know what, Pastor? Thank you so much for yes. for pointing this out. I I didn't really realize that you are, uh, you know, thank you for showing that to me. Uh, I love you, and I appreciate you. Um, yeah. and I need you. I need you in my life. I want to be accountable. I want to be uh, repentant, and I want to be a, a part of the church. Isn't, isn't that amazing when that happens? It's 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 what it's it, amazing because it's very hard to correct people. You know, it's just like. It's it's a difficult thing to do. It's not an easy thing to you know, do I for any of that. us. I know, want so. that. I'm telling my yeah, pastor that. Open. I want him to speak in him. I want correction. You know, yes. rebuke a wise man and he'll love you. Yeah, rebuke a, rebuke wise a man, fool he'll and he'll, it'll be a blot unto you, right? Yes. And so um, so we need that accountability yeah. you know, in the church. And, and so anyways, all of this about you know going back to the church, being a participant you yeah. know, uh, in, in, in what's coming, and the hope that we have of being resurrected, uh, I'm sorry, caught up, uh, uh, harpazo, you know, uh, mm-hmm. raptured uh, to Christ and then coming back with him to then uh, set up his kingdom and discern between the good and the evil, the sheep and the goats. Yes. And you know, this phrase, the end of the age, uh, Matthew writing there in, math, in Matthew 13, he used it three times, right? In those parables in Matthew 13, but he also used it again in Matthew 24. And he also used it again in Matthew 28. So Matthew uses it a lot, right? And so in Matthew 24, verse 3, in that Olivet Discourse, he says, tell us, when will this happen? What will be the sign of your coming and the end of the age? When, what, what, what are we to be looking for for the end of the age to come? And then he gives us two full chapters showing us the glorious second coming of Jesus with his powerful angels where every eye will behold him. So the end of the age in Matthew 24, three is the day that Jesus returns, you know, so that's very clear. And then what, what happens again in Matthew 28 verse 20, everybody knows the great commission verse, right? He's teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And surely I am with you always to what, to the very end of the age. So Jesus is with us until the end of the age. Uh, the glorious second coming is at the end of the age. So we can see that connection there. Jesus is with us all the way to the end of the age. And that's when the the weeds and the weed are separated uh, from each other there. And so Matthew five times in the gospel of Matthew uses that phrase, the end of the age. I so love it gives us focus. a very clear understanding of what's going to happen at the no, end of the that, age. No, that's so, really important to see those five times. Yeah. Uh, again, can you just go over those uh, for me and for our listeners? Sure. So, so he said it in times. Matthew thirteen thirty nine. The, uh, the, the harvest heart. is in the end of the age, yeah. and then he says it in the next verses, uh, verses forty and forty one. It talks about uh, the wheat. The weeds will be pulled up and burned in the fire, so it will be at the end of the age. Yeah. And then he uses it again in the parable of the dragnet, Matthew okay. thirteen verses forty nine right. through fifty. This is how it will be at the end of the age. The angels will come and separate the wicked from the righteous throw them into the fire furnace where they will be weeping and gnashing their teeth. He'll use it again in Matthew 24, verse 3. 
Uh, so he says, what will be the sign of your coming and the end of the age? And then he uses it again in Matthew 28, 20, when he talks about that Jesus will be with us always, even to the very end of the so age. So Jesus was concerned times. about the end times then. Are you telling me he was an end time preacher? <laughs> he was an end time preacher. Oh, I thought those were Without just fanatics <laughs> that don't, uh, yeah. get haircuts and they don't shave and they stand on a street corner and then they never, yes. I thought those were the ones that are concerned about the end of the age, but yeah. They, but we have end time preacher Jesus, right? Yes, sir. It's we amazing. Do. It's amazing to think about. And I've heard uh, since I've been teaching this series on Revelation, I had so many people, pastors, people in our church telling me, oh, I don't teach on Revelation. I don't teach on the end times. And I go, why not? And he goes, because I don't understand it. That's what they've said to me. I don't understand it. And that's what the Bible also tells us, right? Let the reader who reads this understand. We have to have understanding. We need to understand what the Bible is saying in these last times. So we can be like the men of Israel. Right cars. there in the Revelation, the it says, Blessed he who reads and those who hear and those, and those who keep, those who obey those things. Yes. So, you know, I mean, in some sense, you know, it's it's not a disparaging thing. Some pastors, yeah. you know, it's, it, it's, it's, it's difficult to understand. It, it it's is. Not, it's not. It's not an you easy. You got to get in there and study, though. You really do. <clears throat> and, and I do think it's a worthy work. It's yeah. a worthy cause. And I love how our friend uh, Steve Gregg, who is a dear friend of mine, mm -hmm. I've stayed in his home, he's stayed in my home more than once, yeah. and I love him. He's just a good and godly man, yes. but he's got a completely, uh, almost completely different eschatology. I mean, yeah. uh, he, he doesn't believe in the pre-trib rapture, he believes in a post-trib rapture, but, yeah. but he's, he's, he's a preterist largely, he's a, it just blows my mind. Yeah. Um, but I love, here. I'm just doing a new study on, on a, he did a whole teaching, it's online on, on uh the dangers of dispensationalism, but mm -hmm. he actually attacks uh, premillennialism <coughs> pre too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A bit. Mm -hmm. um, anyway, there's a word that's used right here in uh, Matthew 13, and that's there's going to be a harvest, right? And the harvest is at the end. And so that's something we can look forward to, right? As we preach the gospel, that there is going to be a harvest. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we sow, we sow, we sow, they sow. It's the son of man. That's literally the one that's sowing, but we're going to reap. And so there's going to be a lot of people, I believe that are going to come to the Lord mm -hmm. in these last days. The gospel of the kingdom is going to be preached into the ends of the earth. And then the end will come right. Matthew 24, 14. But, um, I want to grab this word harvest because the only place in the book of Revelation that mentions harvest is Revelation 14. And okay. so I Let, like to I like to make that connection let's if go we there. could. Yeah. I want, I want, but I want to, I just what's interesting sure. is you just mentioned and I just you know realize again in Matthew 24 yeah. and then the end shall come. Now it's not the end of the age. Right. But I would love to do a study, I don't know if you've ever done it, of every time Jesus goes end times yeah you know, every time <laughs> jesus talks about the end times yeah that would be a great study um maybe you and i can split okay uh, split up uh matthew or whatever okay. and we can do that and and look and see uh every time he references uh the end times well obviously matthew had uh the most references to the kingdom of god or the kingdom of heaven right? yeah so that That's would be a good place to start too. that would yeah. be a good place to start with all yeah. of that yeah, of course the then we could go into paul and yeah. see how many times he references it. So yeah, quite a bit. Yep. So there's a harvest there that's mentioned, and so you go to Matthew, you go to Revelation. There's no harvest except in Revelation 14, and mentions two harvests there. And um, so if we go to, and we can read uh, Revelation for those of you who are listening to us. You want to get your Bible? You can go read Revelation 14 verses 14 through 20. 
And there are two different harvests that are mentioned. The first harvest is in verses 14 through 16. And that's the good harvest that corresponds to the wheat and the good fish. And then there's a second mm-hmm. harvest that's found in verses 17 through 20. And this is what we would call the bad harvest. And it corresponds to the weeds and the bad fish. So Let's go ahead and read that. Go ahead and read, read uh, verses 14 through 16 of Revelation 14. Okay. Go ahead. And I looked and behold a white cloud and upon the cloud one sat like unto the son of man having on his head a golden crown and in his hand a sharp sickle. And another angel came out of the temple crying with a loud voice to him that sat on the cloud. Thrust in your sickle and reap for the time has come for you to reap for the harvest of the earth is ripe. And he that sat on the cloud thrust in his sickle on the earth and the earth was reaped. Mm-hmm. So that, that's that, that's that first uh, harvest. That's that first picture of the reaping. Yes. Right. And then I'm going to read on if you're, if you're okay with that. Go right on yeah, ahead. So then in verse 17, this is Revelation 14. This so is another harvest, another, a, a different way, view, a totally different view yeah, here, but it's grab, going for the bad people. <laughs> grab your Bibles if you haven't. By yeah. the way, for our listeners, uh, you'd be wise to have a Bible with you when you listen in. So uh, go ahead there, Revelation 14, 17. Unless you're driving in a car right yeah, now. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> well, your, your spouse can do that. Yeah. And another angel came out of the temple, which is in heaven, he also having a sharp sickle. So there's another angel and another sharp sickle, right? Yep. And he says, and, and another angel came out from the from the altar, which had power of fire, and cried with a loud voice to him with the sharp sickle, saying, thrust in your sharp sickle and gather the clusters of the vine of the earth, for her grapes are fully ripe. And the angel thrust in the sickle into the earth and gathered the vine of the earth and cast into the cast it into the great winepress of the wrath of God. And the wine press was trodden without. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. So Matthew thirteen thirty seven says, he who sows the good seed is the son of man. Mm-hmm. And that's what you just read right now in verse 14, that he said he looked and somebody on a white cloud seated on the cloud, which is interesting. How can you can see it on a, sit on a cloud, <laughs> but it was the son of man who had a gold, a crown of gold on his head and a sharp sickle in his hand. So where do we get that son of man, right? It's, it's the famous teaching out of Daniel chapter seven, verses 13 through 14, where the son of man, Daniel sees uh, the Lord coming in the clouds, the son of man coming in the clouds. He's going to be given dominion, great glory, great honor. Everybody's going to praise him. He goes to the ancient of days and so on. So that son of man teaching coming out of Daniel then is what Jesus uses everywhere, right? To talk about himself in the in the eschatological teachings, Matthew 24, I've listened to scripture here, Matthew 24, 30. We'll see the son of man coming in the clouds of the sky with power and great glory. Mark 14 says, I am, and you shall see the son of man sitting at the right hand of the power and coming in the clouds of glory. Luke 21, 27, they will see the son of man coming in the clouds with power and great glory. Paul said in 1 Thessalonians 4, 17, the famous rapture scripture that, the Lord, we're going to get caught up together in the clouds to meet the Lord wow. in the air. Yeah. Acts chapter one, right? When Jesus ascends up, this cloud receives him. And those two men in white says the way Jesus came in the same ways you see him go up into heaven is the way he's going to come back. So and we see Ezekiel, Yahweh there coming in the clouds. I think it's uh, Isaiah, Isaiah, uh, uh, I think it's Isaiah uh, 11. Mm. Uh, Yahweh's writing on the clouds. And yes. And, and so... So you're saying then that this angel here 
Uh, it says, it says, well, it was him. the son of man. It was an angel who that, told, right, exactly. uh, yeah. he had just come out of the, the temple of God. So he yeah. just got this direction from God. He told the son of man to reap this, uh, put in the sickle to reap because the harvest is right. Ready, right? Verse so, 14 makes a distinction there. He says, yeah. I looked and behold a white cloud and upon the cloud, uh, one sat like unto the son, like unto the son of man. Yeah. Um, uh, uh, it's probably a better translation is like unto a son of man. Mm-hmm. So, so it's basically just saying that, 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 that this is, this is none other than the divine, the divine man, Jesus, the son of man, but son of God. Yeah. Uh, and so that, that yeah, makes, I have that makes my, perfect my sense. quote that I have here on my notes at revelation 14, 14 is like a son of man. Yeah. Yeah. That's like, what you uh, just said. right. Uh-huh. Exactly. Yeah. And it says it in, oh, how does it word it in Daniel? Uh, in my Daniel seven thirteen, I have it here in my notes in my vision at night. I looked and there before me was one like a son of man coming well, in the it's clouds such a beautiful of picture. heaven. It's all, all there. So together, this so. is a great apologetic or answer to those who question the divinity of Christ, because yes. this is a divine being in Daniel seven mm-hmm. who comes in the clouds. Yeah. Uh, he's, he's with great authority, right? And he it's comes before the ancients of days, given dominion to judge. And he's a man. Yeah. He's, he's, he's a son of man, but he's a yeah. son of God. He's a divine being, yeah. but he's a man. And this is a wonderful, uh, again, answer to those who question the divinity of Christ. Yeah. I, I did a study once on the son of man and almost everybody says, well, he's the son of God. That means he's divine. He's son of man. That means he's a man. And, and, and actually the son of man teaching all the way through, if you study it on Jesus, he always, he very almost always refers to himself as the son of man when dealing with eschatological things. And so the son of man teaching that comes out of the gospels is not him just being a man. He is fully man, but he is the judge. That's what the son of man is that, that whole phrase of him being judged, he's receiving, he's the one that's going to judge, right? He's the one that's coming to judge. God, all judgment has been committed unto the son. John, the and so the son, John, the son yeah. of man is, is, is a teaching about his judgment, him being the judge. So over and over and over and over in all those eschatological parables, he calls himself the son of man, the son of man, the son of man Isn't over that and over. So it has to deal with him being the judge that that's the key. It's not, just his humanity he is human he is god in the flesh he's emmanuel but he is the son of man and he's the one who's coming to judge so so the hour is uh, the hour is coming now is when the dead shall hear the voice of the son of man man. yeah and those that hear shall live isn't that isn't that amazing to think about uh, yes. So when he references the son of man, he's really referencing his divinity yes. uh, and his humanity because they understood Daniel seven to be this enigmatic or puzzling uh, figure of a, of a divine being. Only God can judge. Judgment. Yeah. Judgment belongs to God. Yeah. And the yeah. Lord is divine. He's the divine judge. <laughs> so, yeah. Oh yeah. Um, so what happens here is it says he takes this sickle, reaps it, and the time to reap has come. The harvest of the earth is ripe. And so that corresponds to that first harvest that we were talking about, the good, uh, the, the wheat and the uh, good fish. But then there's this second, a different harvest. Uh, the sickle is not in the hands of the Son of Man, but it's another angel, right? And so in verse 17 we have this angel that comes out of the temple and he too has a sharp sickle, but you'll notice that it's a different kind of harvest. And this one is a harvest of grapes from the earth's vine. And that's very important because 
now in Revelation, he's going to talk about the wine press, and it's it shows up several times right in the in Revelation 16, Revelation 19. So the grapes are not reaped to the Lord's barn to be with the Lord. They're thrown violently in the Greek language. The word thrown is a word that means to be thrown down violently with a real strong throwing down into the great wine press of God's wrath. Verse 19, Revelation 14, 19. The grapes of wrath. The grapes of wrath. There's a book by Steinbeck on that one. These grapes cannot be Christian believers because Jesus has saved us from God's wrath. But notice what happens. It says in verse 20, notice that these grapes are trampled and blood, not grape juice, flows out. So here the image clearly depicts these grapes as human beings, the wicked that are being um, being um, judged by God, being trampled underfoot. Jesus is the one that comes as the treader to tread down the grapes in the great wine press of God. What, a, what an amazing uh, wrath privilege to just dive into God's word like this, Pastor Charlie. We're just Amen. being immersed uh, in the scriptures and, and, and regarding the end times. Uh, yes. uh, and it's, it's, it's amazing to, to, to hear the mind of God, the voice of God, to understand. And we see that there's no gap between those, that harvest, the, right. the harvest uh, of the Son of Man on the cloud yeah. uh, where, he, where he reaps the righteous. And, and then the other... Uh, there's an immediate one right there too. Yeah. Another harvest of grapes, not barley or wheat it's a harvest of grapes much different than the the other ones so yeah but but it's the same time it's the same time yeah, yeah there's the no wicked. gap there's no time gap mentioned in there nope yeah it's no seven year separation yeah. for sure so yeah wow so the wine press is very interesting right uh so in the natural what people used to do is they get a large vat or tub and they fill it with grapes and there would be a person called a treader who would be hired to get into the tub with his bare feet and begin crushing these grapes so the juice would flow out. And at the bottom of these vats was a small hole and it was fitted with a long, narrow pipe. And this pipe flowed into another wine press just below that one to catch all the grape juice. Mm. So these wine presses were called the upper wine press and the lower wine press because of the position one being uh, over the other. So the man that treaded the grapes he treaded them until all the juice was crushed out from them. And then the lower wine press with all the juice would be emptied into these large stone jars, kind of like the ones that Jesus used uh, on the wedding there in John 2. And so these grapes of wrath, um, we can connect them with other verses in Revelation, in Isaiah, and Joel. And, um, well, we're, we're kind of coming to the end here, but we can go to Revelation 19, right, and see there that Jesus is the one who's going to be treading. He's the he's the treader that treads the wine press of the fury of the wrath of Almighty now, God. Now, before we turn there, when sure. we look here in Revelation 14, you know we do see the Son of Man on the cloud, right? Which which is Jesus. Yeah. Uh, we have an angel, you know, out of the temple. He, he cries with a loud voice to him that sat on the cloud, which is yeah. Jesus. You know, to thrust in his sickle. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he that sat on the cloud, verse 16, thrust in his sickle. And it says in verse 17, another angel, so a different know. angel. Mm-hmm comes out of the temple, which is in heaven, he also having a sharp sickle. And another angel came out from the altar, which had power over fire, and cried with a loud voice to him that, to him that had the sharp sickle. Mm-hmm. Now, is that, that is another angel, do you think? Or who do you think that is? That the second uh, entity with the sickle, or is that Jesus again? No, I, I, I don't ever use Jesus as an angel in, those, right. in that setting right there. Right. So I think it's another, another angel. angel. Yeah, exactly. So I don't know. Yeah. It would be 
somebody else that's coming there. The angels are the reapers, right? Right. <laughs> so they're going to be involved in reaping. So you see, and, we, and, and we see that the uh, the angels uh, that that's in the parable we just we just about the wheat and the tares. The angels yeah. shall come and sever, right? Yeah. So that that's important. That's an important link right there. Yeah. Uh, so 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 we see, you know, it's interesting that Jesus comes for the he comes for the church. Yeah. He doesn't. He doesn't come primarily to, to judge the wicked. Uh, it's the angels that sever. Mm. And it's interesting that we read in Malachi. Yeah. Also that it says that uh, uh, those who uh, uh, spoke often one to another of the Lord, a book of remembrance is opened unto them. Remember? Yes. Right. And he says that the, then they shall come and they shall separate the, the righteous from the wicked. Yeah. Uh, and the evil from the just. Right. Yes. Uh, so it is interesting to, 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 to see that in the parable of the wheat and the tares, it is the angels that are separating. Uh, mm-hmm. And then uh, where else would we see that? I, well, Matthew 24, right? When in verse 30, was, right? Yeah, it says, yeah. then the sign of the son of man will appear in heaven and then all the tribes of the earth will mourn and they will see the son of man coming in the clouds of heaven, which we just talked right. about in the power and glory. And he says, and he will send his angels right. with a great sound of a trumpet and they will gather together. There it is, his elect from the four winds from one into heaven to the other. So, so we still have that elect. connection. So we he's even using the angels even for the, really for the rapture. He's yeah. The angels are are gathering yeah. together. They're the reapers. The, 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 the uh, Saints who've gone on before that are resurrected, yeah, right at the coming. We we which are alive and remain shall not precede those which have fallen asleep, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so then, so then, and then the gathering together of of those who are caught up, yeah. right? But then the angels also are involved in the gathering together in the judgment of the wicked, yeah. Uh, and then, of course, in Matthew twenty five. When the Son of Man shall come in all of his glory with all of his holy angels with him, then he shall sit upon the throne of his glory and um, uh, and they shall gather uh, 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 the, the nations together mm-hmm. and shall separate them as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. So, so, so he's coming with his holy angels. All of them. All of them. That's and I lot. think that most likely includes the bride. It includes the church. It includes the, the, those who have been raptured. Yes. Uh, coming with him. Uh, and then there's the separation. So the angels are with him in that account yeah. there in Matthew 25. Yeah. So it's interesting to see um, that there's a participation there in that. And that ties in with Revelation 14, where, the, where that other angel comes with a sharp sickle, who's not Jesus. Jesus is the one with the sickle for the catching of the, the rapture of the church. But he actually yeah. uses the angels as his agents mm-hmm. to execute mm-hmm. his wrath and his judgment on the wicked. Mm-hmm. But what about there in Revelation 19 where it says well, there you go. he comes to tread uh, the winepress of the fury of the wrath of Almighty God. With the ar- so, armies of heaven. It says yes. the armies in the plural. Right. Uh, of heaven with him. Yes. Revelation so they 19. include angels and us. Well, know? over and over again, we said the Lord comes with ten thousands of his saints. Saints. Right. The holy ones. The holy mm-hmm. ones, right. Which yeah. can be angels and could it can be, be angels. angels. And it includes uh, the believers, right? the, the, the church, the bride, right? Yes. And so. Most commentators um, see that. Yeah, yeah. The Lord comes with ten thousands of his saints. Uh, wow. And, and, and it, these things are important, Pastor Charlie, for multiple reasons. But, but one is, is that. You know, we always need to be mindful of the fact that there's a judgment day coming. Yeah. And and there's going to be a separation between the sheep and the goats, the, yeah. the righteous and the wicked. And yeah. and we must, uh, seeing that all these things shall be dissolved, what manner of persons ought we to be in all holy conduct uh, and godliness, right? Yeah. Here in, in, in Mark 4, 
13, he says, then they will see the Son of Man coming in the clouds with great power and great glory. So that's the second coming. Even the, even the preacher of rapture teachers believe that. And then he says the next verse, Mark 13, 27, it says, then he will send his angels and gather together his elect from the four winds, from the farthest part of earth to the farthest part of heaven. So again, we make that connection that this glorious, powerful coming of Jesus, not a secret coming, not uh, a secret coming, but a visible coming. He comes with all the angels. So we have to acknowledge that, that that's the way Jesus is coming. He's not coming secretly. He's coming openly, visibly with great glory and great power. As we said earlier, you know, um, where, where he says, we're looking for that blessed hope and the glorious, glorious. appearing, not, not yeah. just some in a corner secret appearing, yeah. but a glorious appearing yeah. for our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. So, um, well, the Lord comes there, and, and again, we can make a connection here with Isaiah 63 when he starts talking about the day of the Lord. Who's this is coming from Edom, from Bozrah, you know, is, whose garments are stained crimson red? Who's this one whose robe is, is splendid and he's striving in greatness of his strength? Well, that's the Lord Jesus Christ coming right there. He's coming. He says he's speaking in righteousness and he's mighty to save. Who can that be talking about other than Jesus Christ? So it says, why are his garments red like those of one treading the wine press? There we have it again. So these red garments are Jesus' garments as he's the one treading God's wine press. That's Isaiah 63 verse 2. So uh, I, John was seeing the same things that Isaiah was seeing, right? And in verse 3 of Isaiah 63, he says, I have trodden the winepress alone from the nations. No one was with me. I trampled them in my anger and I trod them down in my wrath. Their blood splattered my garments and I stained all my clothing. So the robe that's immersed in blood in Revelation 19, 13 is not immersed with the blood of Jesus. It's the blood of his enemies, right? Because Jesus is going to crush them under his feet. So a lot of people say that that's the blood of Jesus on his garments. And no, it's the blood of his enemies. Because if you're a treader, you're going to get all that juice all over your robes or all over your clothes as you're treading. Yeah. And, so. and there's definitely an echoing there of Isaiah 63, right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And so... And when is this? Verse four says, this is the day of the vengeance of God or the day of the Lord. Verse six, Isaiah 63 says, I trampled the nations in my anger and in my wrath. I will break, I will make, I made them drunk and I poured their blood on the ground. Wow. So this is a great judgment that's coming. So once again, there we see that Jesus comes when it's a time of judgment. He doesn't come secretly seven years in advance. He comes at a time of judgment. He doesn't come secretly. So. It's wow. very important. Yeah, yes. And so that's going to be for all to see. And uh, so we're just uh, grateful that we uh, have been given uh, the Holy Scripture to uh, to be looking to to meditate upon a day and night. Yeah. Uh, you know, blessed is the man that walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, understands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the scene, see the scornful. Uh, but in his law does he meditate day and night. He delights in it. <laughs> yes. Amen. And, you know, um, he, he, he told Joshua, be strong and very courageous. So you may observe to do according to all the law, yeah. which was written that you turn not from at the right hand to the left. That you may make, find, make your way prosperous. Uh, have not, I commanded you be not afraid, neither be dismayed for the Lord, your God is with you. And so, so we, we, we are called to, to meditate day and night in God's word. And this Amen. is such an important study. Pastor Charlie, we're drawing a lot of this from your book, uh, the end times. Yep. And it's, it's important, uh, uh, we may not find this to be our favorite subject, 
but it's absolutely a big portion of scripture. A third of the Bible is Bible prophecy. And so thank you so much for taking the time and your effort and your labor. It says, give honor to where honors do, especially those who labor in word and doctrine. doctrine. God bless you all. We look forward to talking to you soon. Have a great afternoon. God bless you. Well,